Kiara. You're listening to a podcast for the Salvation Army Glen Eden. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you hear today. If you are ever in Auckland, join us each Sunday at 9.30am or visit salvationarmy.org.nz for more information on the work we do in Aotearoa. sharing with you about Crash the Chatterbox. The voice that we listen to determines the future we experience. Yeah, I hope that's become clearer to you over this series. The voice you listen to, the voice you believe, determines the future you experience. And we're not talking about the voices around us of people, that's a whole nother topic, but what we're talking about is the voices in our minds, the ones that make us feel crazy, like crazy people. The voices that from the moment you get up, lie to you about who you are. They lie to you about insecurity, telling you that you're never good enough, that you're never gonna be good enough. They lie to you about fear. They make you worried, they make you afraid when God actually desires to love you and protect you and let you know it's gonna be okay, even if you experience hard times in your life. And it also lies to us, it lies to us with what we're looking at today, which is discouragement. It discourages us, the voice of the chatterbox. So who's got their Bibles with them, their Bibles? We're going to look at the topic of discouragement by looking at Joshua, uh, Joshua, and to look at Joshua, we need to be in the book of Numbers. So Numbers is in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, this is super easy, you just Google Numbers, and I'm sure it'll come up. Numbers chapter 13. And um, we're looking at discouragement this morning because I'm not going to ask you, what will you do if you get discouraged? I'm not going to ask you that this morning because the reality is that you will. In fact, you may have already faced discouragement this morning. We got a flat tire on our way to church and Jordan had to get out of the car and change it. He may have felt a tinge of discouragement at that, um, but he didn't show it anyway. Maybe he's been crashing his chatterbox. Well done, Jordan. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to ask you if you get discouraged, what will you do? But when you get discouraged, what will you do? Because the thing about discouragement is a good way to explain it of what it happens to us in our lives when we feel this way, when we just feel down, when we feel like, oh man, is that there's a gap. There's a gap between what we expect is and the reality of what we experience. Does that make sense? Discouragement creeps into our life when there's a gap between what we expected and what we currently experience. So we're looking at um, someone in the Bible today who experienced a gap in between what they uh, expected and what they were experiencing. So we're looking at Joshua and his Israelite friends. Now the background of the story is that Moses, do you remember my man Moses that we talked about a few weeks ago? A guy that God chose in the Bible to take a group of people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, who had lived in slavery for hundreds of years under the Egyptian people. And they were oppressed and cruelly treated and suffered 
for generations. And then God showed up and said, no more will my people be treated this way. And through Moses, he rescued the Israelite people, the Jewish people, and they escaped their slavery in Egypt. Isn't that awesome? Woohoo! They were free. Now, just weeks or days even after this, God says, I want to take you into the new home that I have for you. Isn't that exciting? I've taken you out of slavery into freedom, and now I want to give you a new home that is beautiful, where you can enjoy your lives. (laughs) And then the story goes wrong. So as they often do in the Bible, So Numbers, chapter 13, and we're going to start at verse 1. So God said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each tribe, send one of its leaders. So Moses did that. I'm not going to read the names because I can't pronounce them. So let's skip forward. So... When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, this land, he said, go up, have a look, and bring back a report. I'm paraphrasing. So, verse 26. So they went out, oh, 26, 22. So they went out into the land, the 12 people who were chosen, and they cut off fruits from the trees and carried them back to bring their report. Here we go, 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite, the whole Jewish community. And they reported to them and the whole assembly, the beautiful fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are very powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of giants living there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, but we should go and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were giant in size. Chapter 14, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing such trouble upon us? It would be better for us to go back to Egypt. Don't you think that's crazy? Let's go back to slavery. And they said to each other, let's pick a leader and let's go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell face down. They were pretty gutted, to summarize. But Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb got up amongst those people, for they had been to explore the land. And they said to the entire assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Don't rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people or of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is 
with us. Do not be afraid of them. But long story short, the Israelite people didn't listen to the voice of Joshua and Caleb. They were discouraged by the report that they heard that there were giants in the land. You see, there was a gap between what they had expected and what they were experiencing. They'd come out of slavery and oppression and difficult times for hundreds of years. And they thought that when God freed them, it would be easy. (laughs) Ever experienced that before? You thought that when God freed you, it would become easy. (laughs) How wrong the Israelite people were. God had promised them a land, but they had to work for it. They had to work for it. And these people were discouraged that it was going to take a little bit of work, that it might be hard times ahead to get what God had promised them. And they became discouraged. And there were two men that stood up, two men that even though they saw the giants, they looked and said, but God is with us. The land is good. And God promised it to us. Let's go. But the Israelite people said it would be better to go back to our slavery in Egypt. They were so discouraged. They let the chatterbox get into their head and the voice they believed determined the future they experienced. And for the next 40 years, those people wandered around in a desert that was an 11 day journey to the land they should have been going. And not one of them saw the land except Joshua and Caleb because they believed a different voice the voice of God and His promises. So what do we do? What do we do when we're faced with discouragement just like the Israelites? And who will we be? Will we be like the group? Will we be like the crowd who looks at the difficult times and gets discouraged? Or will we be like Joshua and Caleb? And will we stand up and say, if God has promised it, we can do it. We can do it. So how do you do that? We've got five points this morning. Number one, don't freak out. I'll be quick with my five points. Wow, quick's a relative word. Okay, number one, look back. Okay, if you're writing notes, the first thing you need to do is look back. So, um, you know, it's easy to read this story, I think, and judge the Israelite people. Okay, so when you read that they've been free from slavery and then they say they want to go back, just because they're going to have to fight a little bit to get in their land, don't you just feel a little bit judgy towards them? Don't you just think, how dumb can you possibly be? God's freed you, and now, just because of a little bit of hard work, you don't want to go into the promised land, a beautiful land? Come on, guys. How crazy are you? Don't you remember that literally days or weeks ago, God did amazing miracles? He parted a sea so that you could walk through the middle of it. And days or weeks later, you're saying we should ignore God and go back to slavery? Doesn't that seem crazy to you? Am I the only one who thinks that's a little bit nuts? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But how often do we do this in our own lives? How often? How quickly do we forget what God has done and look at the future as a discouraging and challenging place? So we need to look back. We need to look back and remember how faithful God has been in our lives. You see, the chatterbox, the enemy, 
doesn't want you to look back. Because if you look back, you will have the courage to move forward. That's the reality. Because courage comes from love. And love is from God. And God wants to show you that no matter what's ahead, you can get through it because if you look back, you can see the faithfulness of God in your life. But we've got to look back. You know, um, growing up uh, with just my mum and my two younger sisters, we didn't have a lot of excess money. Um, now, we weren't poor, okay? I don't like the term poor. And just on a side note, on a side note, I think we need to have a bit of conversations with our kids, with our young people, with each other, because it's not a young person thing, it's a people thing, about the difference between uh, not having everything you want and not having everything you need, yeah? Because I hear quite often people describing someone or something as being poor when what they're actually talking about is not having everything they want. So let's be careful of our consumer attitude, yeah? Poverty is about not having everything you need. And I hope that through self-denial, you've been able to understand that if you have a house to sleep in, if you have food to eat, if you have someone who loves you, you are among the richest people on this earth, yeah? So let's, let's rewire our definition of poverty in our minds. So I wouldn't say that my family was poor. We had everything we needed, but we didn't have a lot of excess, okay? So my mum, as a single parent working two jobs to look after her three children, she had to be careful with her money. She had to be careful with her money. Does anyone remember coupon books? Yeah. yeah, a few of you. So my mum was all about coupon books and she would sit every day that the newspaper came and she would cut out every single coupon. And it would take her a long time because she knew that every dollar saved counted. Yeah, and so she would take whole piles of coupons to the supermarket to give to the person serving her so that she could save us some money in different areas. And she would sit every night and she would go through what she had spent and she would go through her checkbook and she would make sure that we had everything we needed and that we were looked after. She was very careful with her money. But I remember one day uh, going to see my mum. She was sitting on her bed in her room and she was counting her money and she had her little box out that had little envelopes of money in it. And I picked up one of the envelopes and I had a look and on it, it said tithe. And I remember asking my mum what this was all about. What, what's this money, this tithe money in this envelope? And my mum explained to me how when God sets us free, when God loves us, when God gives us the, the hope and the future that she had been given, that she um, made a commitment to give back to God. Um, and tithing is about financially giving back. It's about saying that I will not allow money to be one of the things that controls me, but actually that I give of my money first and foremost to the God who gave me the opportunity to have any in the first place. And my mom said to me, and I will never forget it, she said to me, Missy, when you start giving to God, when you start tithing, remember this, no matter what happens in your life, never stop giving first to God. Because I will tell you this, even through all the difficult times we've been through, 
God has always been faithful to us always been faithful and even when I haven't had much and I haven't known where the money was going to go come from I've given my tithe to God and we have never gone without it was a powerful moment of my mum looking back on the faithfulness of God and showing me that there is always always reason to trust the one who loves us always but we've got to look back We've got to do that. So the next thing, number two, we've got to look up. We've got to look up. So Genesis chapter 15, um, verse 1 to 6. I want to read you uh, the story of another man just quickly who experienced discouragement in his life, a man named Abraham or Abraham. And he was like an old dude, you know, like 80, 90 years old, okay? And um, he wanted to have children his whole life. And he never had any children with his wife. And so he was feeling discouraged. And um, I'm going to read to you uh, what he says in this moment. Uh, Let me just check that I'm in the right place. Okay. After this, God came to Abram in a vision and said, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, God, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. But then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, we can't stop the chatterbox from whispering into our lives. We can't, but we can decide where we're going to look when the chatterbox speaks to us. You know, this is the story of a man who was so discouraged because there was a huge gap between what he'd expected out of life and what he was experiencing. But let me tell you the power of this verse. Have you ever been camping before? Ever been camping? Yeah, a few of us have. Dirk, I'm loving the haircut. Looking good. So, okay. Okay, tenting. I went tenting just last year with Jordan and his family, and um, it's amazing how when you go tenting, little things irritate you, especially if you're in a little tent, okay? So Jordan and I have a two-person tent, which is like one-and-a-half-person tent, and um, it's cool, but because it's so small, it's like the one time in my life where I really appreciate things being tidy. So I make my sleeping bag bed every day, and I'm like, mm, yeah, looking good good, looking good, lay it all out, and my bag stays right at the end of the bed, it's touching the walls, okay, and I make sure everything's folded in it. Now, I found myself getting extremely irritated when I would come into the little tent, I would come inside, and find that one of Jordan's clothes would be on the sleeping bag bed. Oh my goodness, we have such a small amount of room and there's like a jersey on the bed. Oh my goodness. But it's because I'm in this tiny space. I'm in this tiny space and it's all I have, right? And so everything in it frustrates me if it's not perfect because it's so small. It's so tiny. And you know, Abraham was in a situation like this. 
in his head. Here he is inside a tent, not just physically, but mentally. And here he is inside his mind, and it's his whole world, and he's consumed by this expectation gap. And so he's sitting there inside his tent, and he's saying, God, I'm so discouraged. God, I just, I don't have a child, and I thought I would have a child. It's the only thing I ever really wanted, and I don't have it, and I don't understand how you can say that I'm blessed or I'm loved when there's this huge gap. And I'm feeling so discouraged, God. And then God says to him, Abraham, look up, get out of your tent. And so Abraham, who is consumed in his mind about what is happening and what he's not experiencing, and God calls him out of the tent. And he says to him, walk outside. And he asks him to come out of the small place he's been living and the small place he's been living in his head. And he says, look up, look up at the stars. Can you even count them? Each one of those stars, the size of your son created by me, held by me in my hand, Abraham. Look up. Look up. Look how big I am. Look how powerful I am. You've got to get out sometimes of your own mind where the chatterbox consumes you. Walk outside and look up. Because God is big. He's always been big. But in your mind, He's limited. So we've got to look up. The third thing is we've got to look out. So we can't stop the chatterbox from whispering to us, but guess what? You can feed it. You can feed your chatterbox and you can make it grow. How many of you have experienced playing with a tune that the chatterbox is telling you and ended up in a totally different place from when you started? You know, discontentment will feed the chatterbox faster than anything else in your life. So I've got to ask you this morning, what are you feeding into yourself? And we've got to look at some real practical things this morning. What kind of TV and what kind of music are you listening to? Does it lift you up? Does it encourage you? Or does it bring you down? Because if it brings you down, I've got to ask you the question why you're watching it or why you're listening to it. Because if you feed the chatterbox, it will feed your mind and you will become discouraged and discontent. I've got to ask you, who do you follow on social media? Who do you follow? You know, I follow this girl on social media. I won't name her in case you start following her too and also get discouraged. But her life looks totally perfect. She has perfect hair and she has um, a perfectly groomed dog and a perfect house. And I love watching her on my social media, but it's also really discouraging because I think, how could someone have a life that's so perfect? But the thing is, I choose to follow her. And if I look through my social media, actually I choose to follow a lot of people who portray perfect pictures of their life. And then I wonder why I feel discouraged about my own. Maybe it's because of the people I follow. Maybe it's because of the people I follow. So we need to look at what we're following on our social media. Um, The thing is that although discontentment will feed the chatterbox faster than anything else, gratitude will shut it down faster. Gratitude will shut it down faster. You know, um, 
There's actually a lady in our church, in our ch church family, and her name is Melissa Brennan. And I don't know if you know her, but she's a beautiful lady. And I follow her on social media. And let me tell you why Melissa Brennan encourages me. Because she struggles with some health issues. And if you follow her on social media, you'll know this because she talks very openly about it. But you know what? Almost every day she posts a picture of a sermon that she's listening to or a Bible chapter that she's reading. She says how excited she is to hear God's word. She talks about how even on the days when she can't get out of bed, that she's thankful that God has given her life that day. Gratitude, gratitude. And it's not just powerful for her, it's powerful for me. Because on a day when I'm out and I'm active and I'm discouraged, when I see a post from a woman who can't even leave her flat, but she's praising God that she has the gift of life, man, I change my attitude. I do. I change my attitude. Gratitude is the fastest way to beat the chatterbox. So what are you grateful for? You know, if I said to you that I ate five blocks of chocolate this morning and I was feeling like I was going to throw up, and then I said to you, oh, I think I'll eat another block of chocolate. What do you think I was crazy? If I was about to throw up, I was so sick from all the chocolate, and then I said to you, I'm just going to eat one more block, you'd think I was insane. But this is what we do in the way we feed our lives. We're feeling down, we're feeling depressed, we're feeling discouraged, and so we go and listen to Metallica. Now, I'm not saying anything against Metallica, but maybe that's not helpful when you're discouraged. Or we go and watch a movie about World War II. Maybe that's not helpful in the times we're discouraged. Maybe we need to think about how we're feeding our lives. So we need to look out. Look out for discouragement. If you're being negative, if you're being pessimistic, if you're being overly sarcastic, I need to let you know this morning that the chatterbox has control of you, that you are feeding your discouragement and you need to look out. You need to decide how you can be grateful. The fourth thing is you need to look around. And this is simply to say that one of the ways that we can be thankful is to surround ourselves with people who will encourage us, who will help us find things to be grateful for. You know, when I lived in Wellington, I had a friend and every Friday we would go out for lunch and talk about God every Friday, and we would discuss how our relationships with God was doing, we would pray for each other, we would ask each other difficult questions, how are you really doing, how are you and Jesus actually going, are you growing in your faith, What's, what do you need help with, how can I encourage you? And when I moved to Auckland, I knew that I wasn't going to have that anymore, that person was going to be quite far away, so I had to look around. Yeah, I can't leave it up to fate to do something for me. I have to actually be proactive and go, if I want to grow in my faith, if I want to be encouraged, I've got to look around. I've got to make new friends. I've got to ask people to ask me difficult questions. I've got to give them permission to do that. I've got to call someone when I'm feeling discouraged and say, hey, can you pray with me? I've got to text people and say, hey, I'm not feeling great today. Can you say a quick prayer? Look around you. 
look around. You know, I was away at a conference this week for officers and one of the speakers, Peter Farthing, said something that I thought was really awesome. He said, we cannot do God's part and he will not do ours. He will not do ours. Don't you think that's a bit of a challenge? If you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling discouraged, you've got to do your part. You've got to look around. You've got to help yourself be encouraged. Number five, you've got to look beyond. On the days when you don't want to get out of bed, it's time to get out of your head. On the days when you can't get out of bed, it's time to get out of your head. You know, when I was... um, In high school, I was lucky enough to get to go on a missions trip to Fiji uh, with my officers um, who were Fijian, uh, Joe Serevi and his wife uh, Janine, who is from here, from New Zealand. And we were really excited about this trip, like really, really excited. And it was going to be so much fun and we were going to help these local Salvation Army churches. We were putting on shows for kids and it was going to be a really good time. And when we got there, was, there was one story that really stood out to me that I really remember and it really impacted me. See, we'd been going around these slum uh, villages giving out food parcels to people. So we'd go into their home, we'd sit in their house, we'd give them these food parcels and we'd pray with them and sing a song with them. And it was a really, really blessed time. Now, at the end of this trip around these slum houses, um, a lady had come with us, and she was one of the local volunteers at uh, Suva Corps. And she was helping us. She was translating for us. She would helped us pick the right food for these families. And she was such an amazing person. She was full of joy, full of excitement about going to these families. She said to us after how thankful she was that we'd helped. She was so grateful. Uh, Thank you for helping these families. I've had so much fun. And we spent that time hanging out with her and then she went on her way. And a couple of hours later, someone else, the corps officer, came up to us. And they said to us, you know the woman who was volunteering, who was helping you get the food and who was coming with you to pray for these families who thanked you so much for helping the community? And we were like, yeah, 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 she was awesome. We loved her. And they said to us, did you know that she lives in a slum village herself and her family have absolutely nothing? Nothing. And we had no idea. We had no idea. And so we went out and we got a big food parcel for her and her family, and she was just overwhelmed with gratitude, but said she hadn't expected it at all, and that she does what she does because of her love for God and others. And I'll tell you what was amazing about that experience, is that I realized that I was on a trip that was doing way more for me than I was doing for it. I thought that I went to Fiji to help those people and those people ended up helping me and giving me a better perspective of my own life and helping me be more grateful and more generous and more loving towards others. You know, sometimes when we're having a bad day and we can't get out of bed, staying in bed is the very worst thing that we can do. Isolating yourself is the very worst thing you can do. Sometimes the best thing to do is to look beyond and to help someone else, to get out of your own head and your own problems for just a minute and see the joy 
and helping someone. You know, the Bible says, give and it will be given to you. And often we use this verse to talk about money or finances, but it's also about people. If you give to others, God will give to you. If you give to someone else in love and in caring and in sacrifice, guess what? That experience will give back to you. And I guarantee it'll be more than you ever thought or imagined. And you know, you don't have to go to Fiji to do this. You know, every week that I can, I go downstairs to our kids' program at Generate, and I get to hang out with kids whose families are not perfect, whose lives are not perfect, and I get to be someone who gets excited about the things that they're doing well at. I get to tell them that God loves them. I get to high-five them. I get to make them feel special. Do you know what a privilege that is? Do you know that does way more for me than I do for them? Because I remember how big God is and how much He loves us. So we've got to look beyond. We've got to help other people if we're stuck in our own head. And the last thing is we've got to look in. We've got to look in. Sometimes the only person who can encourage you is you. And it might seem a little bit like a sad reality, but it's just true. There's not always going to be other people around us to help. So sometimes we've got to look in and we've got to use the weapons that God has given us. We've got to start looking at the music, at the sermons, at the podcast. We've got to be at church. And I'm speaking to the converted, right? But church is a place that you should be able to come and experience the presence of God. And if you're here this morning and you're not expecting that, then can I encourage you to start expecting it? Because God is here this morning and He can meet you where you're at. And if you're feeling discouraged and if you're feeling hopeless, if you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, He can work in your life this morning and give you something to encourage you for the rest of the week. So we've got to look at these weapons that we have. You know, I love this quote from Holly Furtick. She says, the enemy is not creative. Don't you love that? Because creativity comes from God. The enemy is not creative. He uses the same lies over and over again in your life. So all we have to do is identify what they are and then use the weapons to beat them. Use the Word of God. When we're facing insecurity, we need to use the promise of God that says, I am. I am enough. I am everything that God needs me to be. When we're faced with fear or worry in our lives, we need to use the promise of God. He will. He will protect me. He will be on my side. He will keep me safe. He will continue to love me. When we're faced with shame and feeling condemnation, we need to say to ourselves, He has. He has forgiven me. He has defeated death itself. He has. And when we're faced with discouragement, we need to say the promise of God, I can. God says, I can. I can. I can do this, just like Joshua. You know, 40 years after Joshua's faithfulness, God tells him to go back to the land, the promised land, and take it. And I want you to listen to the words that God says to Joshua. And as we do, I'll just invite the music team to come up because I'm at the end of um, what I wanted to say today. But I want you to hear these words from God, not to Joshua, but to you, if you're feeling discouraged this morning. Joshua, now then, 
you and all these people get ready to cross the river into the land I'm about to give you to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. Your territory will extend from the desert and from the great river. No one will be able to stand up against you, even the chatterbox, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hear these words for yourself this morning. God says to you, be strong and courageous because you will lead people to inherit the land I swore, I promised to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey what I've commanded you. Don't turn to the right or the left so that you may succeed in what you do. Meditate on my promises, on my scripture day and night. Have I not commanded you? God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For God will be with you wherever you go.